One problem facing people at many levels of business is how to make time for a work life and a personal life. Do you find that one seems to keep getting in the way of the other? This is the Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris. Even if you're not involved in the business world, you'll have a lot to gain by tuning in to today's show. Now, here is your host, Rick Morris. And welcome to another edition of the Work-Life Balance. So excited to have you guys along on this Friday afternoon. It's been um, a crazy week. I was talking to you uh, last week from Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, just returned a couple of hours ago from Knoxville. seems like uh, that's starting to come up in my awareness quite a bit. Uh, but was working with a, a new potential client out there, had a great time, uh, as well as uh, Knoxville was awesome for the homecoming game. Took my uh, daughter and her friend uh, to their first real football experience as college students, as uh, their college that they're going to, UAB, came up to uh, play Tennessee uh, and had a good time with all of that. So um, we're back. We're back home. Uh, travel is subsiding for just a little bit, so uh, we're going to roll up our sleeves and get into it. And so really what I wanted to talk about today is I started to think through uh, some topics is as I continue to work with project managers and executives, and, and that word influence just keeps coming up. And we've talked about it on the show, um, but, but you know, John Maxwell says that uh, leadership is influence, nothing more, nothing less. And I've been working with uh, Dr. Cialdini and working with a lot of other people uh, around expanding and growing your influence, but I don't think we've really addressed how you can grow your influence and what you can do to grow your influence. And that's going to be the topic of our, of our show. How do we grow as project managers and executives and how do we continue to increase uh, our influence? And, and what's interesting is if we get into the word first uh, of influence, we have to remember that, that everybody's a leader because everybody influences someone. So there's really only two questions you have as a leader is, is will you choose to grow your influence or will you use your influence to better mankind, right? Those, those are really kind of there, but if you think it, it, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, you, you have influence over people, whether, whether you're aware of it or not. And so the growth aspect of this is to become really aware that you do have influence and, and be very intentional and cognizant of how we wield that influence. And so, you know, like anything else, I start to research and want to really understand it. And one of the first uh, articles that popped up is, is by a friend of mine, Mark Cole. And uh, Mark is really um, the, the heir apparent to, to John Maxwell in terms of influence. He, he's the president of, of all of John Maxwell's companies. And uh, just a, a, a great friend, somebody I've watched um, over the last four years really just compound the influence. I mean, he, he was kind of the, the, the shy guy, didn't really talk a whole lot behind the scenes behind John to, you know, he's taken meetings now with, with presidents of countries on John's behalf. And it's, it's amazing to watch somebody grow that exponentially that quickly. And so Mark Cole wrote a, a blog post uh, and, and he essentially says, if your life in any way connects with other people, then, then you're an influencer. And, um, and basically, um, Tim Elmore had said that sociologi sociologists tell us that even the most introverted individual will influence some 10,000 people during their lifetime. So everybody influences someone. And so if we want to increase influence, what do we do? 
Well, first of all, nobody just grants you the opportunity to to influence them. It, it it's not an instantaneous or um, it's not something that um, you know they just you know hi I'm John here's here's my uh, influence for you. It's it's something that becomes earned, uh, and it's also something that that doesn't come by accident. So we really have to learn how to be intentional and in how we approach and growing our influence. Um, and really, it breaks out into a couple of different areas. And, and I love the word um, influence just because of the social media aspect. You, you have these social media influencers, and, and they are. They're influencing people, and it's generally behind, you know, uh, makeup or clothes or style and or just, you know, lifestyle. But it, it's weird that, you know, some of these people have garnered so much influence. In fact, my daughter was talking to me. There's there's a gentleman by the name of Shane Dawson. And we've watched Shane grow up over the years just because my daughter's been such a huge fan and he's had a large social media presence. And he started by just making a bunch of silly videos on YouTube and, and you know, he grew his influence. A lot of people started to, to watch him. He became very good at uh, storytelling and, and videos and ended up getting selected to make a movie through uh, this, wasn't a game show, but it was, you know, HBO was experience, uh, experimenting and, and giving some young people an, an opportunity to make a movie start to finish. And so they made a documentary cr uh, chronicling that and then as well as you got to see the movie and Shane Dawson was one of those people. And so we're, we're on our way up to Knoxville and my daughter's uh, upset, and I'm like, what's the matter? And she goes, well, Shane Dawson released this, this makeup swatch, and it's limited edition, and it's already gone. And I was like, yeah, but you, you don't even really wear makeup. And she goes, I know, but I saw a documentary of how it was being made and, and uh, you know, all the decisions they made, and it, I just think it would be cool to have it. And I was like, wow, it's a lot of influence, right, if you start to think through it. And, and Shane has – started to grow into understanding how he can monetize and market his influence. Uh, but he was granted that influence through the trust of the audience and through being authentic and, and just continuing to be consistent um, in the delivery of his content. And so really when you start to think about influence, there's two types of people. There's those that, that want to give or do give value to people. And then there's those people that, that receive value. So you're either giving or receiving value and influence is always gained by giving value. If, if you want to influence, if you want to increase your influence, then you want to give rather than receive value. And so in researching Mark, you know, obviously I want to go research my mentor and in, in, in my friends. So John Maxwell is a shining example of, of living out the principle of giving value. And, and John does really five things every day. He does, when you hear it, John's got like nine lists of the five things he does every day. But when you look at John, the, the other influencer in John's life is Melvin, his, his father, who's, who's still alive, still kicking, still has a ministry at 90 some odd years old. Um, and uh, John will say that Melvin's the one that told him to do these five things every day, which is value people every day. Um, you have to value people in order to give value to people. So you value people every day. Um, you intentionally think 
of ways to add value to people. Um, so not only do you want to value them, but one of the things John says is that he'll look at his calendar and as he's going about his day, he knows who he's going to meet with and he starts to intentionally think about how can I add value to this person? And so that was something I started to pick up and do and it's, it's tremendous. It works. It, again, it has to be authentic. Um, but as you start to sit down and look at the meetings that you have and who you're going to be talking to and who you're going to be spending time with, you start to intentionally think of ways to add value to them. And once you've thought of ways, you still have to look for ways to value people. Um, and now that you have thought about it and look for it, you actually have to do it. Do things that add value to people. And the fifth thing that he talks about is encouraging others to add value to people. And so Mark Cole starts to detail a plan based on his mentor and what he's been doing. And, and he's, he's essentially established four stages um, of growth in influence. And so if, if you think about it, there's four different stages that, that you go through. Uh, the stages he's identified are uh, model, motivate, mentor, and multiply. So the first thing you need to do is, is model. Now, Stanford University published a study titled How We Learn, and their findings revealed that 89% of people are visual learners. 10% are auditory, and 1% learn by using the other set, uh, senses. So based on those findings, the leadership then is something that will be taught by observation, essentially, by somebody, by you watching somebody else value someone. Um, you'll learn how to value others yourself. Um, and so if you want to make a significant impact on people, uh, then you, you need to show them how you're valuing other people. And you need to show them essentially walk the walk, not talk the talk. And so one of the greatest things that we can do is, is model the behavior that we want. And, and professionally, I've, I've seen this happen. Um, I was running a, a PMO, a project management office for, for an organization. And we had a rule by fear CIO. We had a CIO that, that really didn't like project management, didn't really want to implement systems. And there were three or four different project management offices at the, at the bank. And I watched the other project management offices basically tell the CIO that the way he was trying to do things was stupid. And, and of course, he, they got the relevant reaction from the CIO. They, he, he just basically brushed it off. And so I knew going to talk to him or suggesting or, or uh, you know, trying to, to, to prove a certain way wasn't going to work. And so what we decided to do was model the behavior that we wanted. And so we did everything that we were supposed to do to satisfy the, the systems and constraints and, and, and things that the CIO wanted. But in addition, we started to do some of the things and model some of the things that we wanted. So for instance, um, you know, I, we had these IT liaisons that worked with us and we had multiple projects and we had to help the liaison set priorities, discuss issues, discuss risks. Uh, so for ours, we had a system in which uh, we could just print a one pager and it was already ranked and it had everything in it that, that my office needed. So I could hand my IT liaison 
basically a top 10 list of, of each one of those things. Well, everybody else had emails and notes and just it was scattered everywhere. So when the IT liaisons went to the meeting, they, you know, everybody would go around the table and then they would look at, at mine and go, wow, where did where did you get that piece of paper? How can I get my people to, to do that? How can I get my business office to do that? And then eventually the CIO just started saying, wow, they've really got their act together. Um, you know, how can we start to, to infect this across the bank? And so again, he wasn't really willing to change, but he wanted me to help bring these practices to the other business units in the, in the bank. And eventually um, IT ended up adopting the system. And that was really powerful for me as, as a young leader, because what I did is instead of complain, I modeled the behavior that I wanted others to do. And so I never told anybody they were wrong or they were doing it the wrong way. I just wanted to do it a new way and I wanted to model it and see how it works. And so by helping influence the IT liaison, he helped influence the other IT liaisons, which ended up influencing the other the other business units and eventually influencing the, the ultimate of what we wanted, which is to put this system in play for the bank. And so I've seen this work and, and what we were trying to do is when we worked with our IT liaison, we sat down and said, how can we make his job the easiest? Cause he's kind of the linchpin for us. If we don't get the IT resources that we need, none of our projects are going to get done. So our number one goal was to influence our IT liaison and make sure that he understood that we valued him and that we valued the relationship and that we understood he was the guy that was going to get things done for us. Um, and so sometimes we don't even know it. We're not even aware that um, we're, we're exuding this type of influence, but I've watched this happen um, over time and it, it, it you know, it, it just really sunk in for me. So it was something that I continued to look at each time I saw a corporate system or an issue or something that I wanted to change. I never, I never pointed out to anybody that I thought it was wrong. What, what I started to do was just exemplify the behavior that I wanted them to do. And if it was working, they would see it. And, and that's how we would influence. So I was looking at looking for ways to add value uh, and then doing them. And then, uh, We'd, we'd watch what happens. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about influence uh, in, in different aspects. We're going to continue Mark Cole's model, and then I've got a couple of other ones uh, to share with you as well. So we hope you stay with us on the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end -end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? 
In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. We're talking about influence and how to grow your influence. And uh, we just finished talking about... uh, or uh, started talking about Mark Cole's model, which is he, he talks about four levels. First level in the last segment we talked about was modeling that behavior. So level two, if you if you if you're modeling the behavior, if you're following a system, you you grow then into level two, which is motivate, and you become a a motivational influencer when you encourage people and communicate with them on an emotional level. And so this is where you start to build the bridge between each other, and um, people start to feel good that uh, you're around. And, and I, I think you can think about that. Who, who lights you up when, when you're near them? Who, who makes you happy when you see them? Um, who do you really, really like uh, to, to spend time with? And, and those are people that are greatly influencing your life. I mean, when, when people feel good about themselves during the times that, that the, they're with that someone, then their level of influence increases significantly, right? It becomes an emotional connection. It becomes uh, a, a process where, you know, you're creating a bridge between you and others uh, while building up their confidence and, and sense of self-worth. I mean, it's, it's really important. Um, but when you're communicating with somebody on such an emotional or deep level, then your influence is, is, is growing. And so that means, you know, take time to get to know people if you really want to influence them. Uh, you know, I, I was uh, working with a, a company called Pilot Flying J um, this week, and um, they were talking to me about um, the, the president of that company, Jimmy Haslam. And uh, I've known Jimmy, uh, known of Jimmy for years for the work that he does for University of Tennessee and his philanthropic work and that kind of stuff. And um, one thing that was really interesting to me is, is, um, how well he knows the pulse of the stores of Pilot Flying J. And how he does that, though, is he goes and visits the, the stores. He, he's always in the stores. He's always looking at things and talking to people and understanding what's happening. And how many, how many presidents of organizations and CEOs do you see that happen? I mean, they talk a good game, right? But one of, one of the gentlemen I was working with was telling me a story. He said that, that – um, they, they flew out uh, to go see some stores and, and they wanted to stay on East Coast time and, and some things happened and, and, you know, it was late. And uh, by the time they get to the hotel, they said, okay, we'll see you in two hours. He said, what? 
said, well, we'll see you in two hours because we're going to stay on the time zone that we're supposed to stay on. And we've got a lot of stores to go see. So he said uh, for four days, they just had a brutal schedule of going and visiting all these different stores. And, and when they got back uh, to Knoxville, he said he was so tired he couldn't even form his name. Like he, he was just worn out. And that Jimmy Haslam uh, said he was going to stop at two other stores on his way home. And to me, that was really impressive because, um, you know, he's really getting to know his employees. He's really on the front lines to understand what's happening, what's impacting the business. And um, to me, that was an influential leader. Um, hearing that story motivated me because, you know, it's, it's how you run it and, and grow a successful business as you listen to people. You know, Carly Fiorina says the same thing. She, um, she always says if there's a significant problem, you want to make sure you get to the people to solve it. She tells a story of while she was at HP, like somebody started to say something and then realized, you know, she was the CEO and she said, no, finish. And it, the guy was kind of meek and introverted and she said he gave her um, a statement and an idea that ended up saving $100 million to, to the company's bottom line. And that's where she learned that you've got to get to the people and you've got to, you've got to understand them and connect them uh, because people truly are the greatest asset of any business and their ideas are the greatest innovation of, of any business is listening to the people that really care. So as you grow through level two, you get to level three, which is mentoring. And... Uh, Mentoring is, is simply just pouring your life into other people and helping them reach their potential. And it's, it's a role that um, I didn't feel qualified to do until recently and um, really have started to, to work with several people um, and help mentor them all the way down to, you know, I work with, uh, with high school kids and help them uh, through an entrepreneurship class that they have that, uh, we, we assist them in, in building their business plans and ideas. There's a scholarship that they can go win uh, for the best business plan. And so really just pouring into them and, um, and essentially you're just drawing on, you know, obstacles that I've had to overcome in my life and, and just sharing with them. Um, and in doing so, we're showing them how to grow personally and professionally. Um, but you truly can make a difference uh, in people's lives just by, taking a moment to hear them and, and connect and, and then to give advice and mentor. And so once you're through mentoring, you get to level four, which is multiply. And the highest level of influence you can have in others' lives is at the multiplication level. And so it's, it's, it takes a while to get there. It's not something again, that's automatic, but as a multiplying influencer, you help people you're influencing become positive influences in the lives of others. And so essentially you're multiplying the influence through encouraging and making sure that, that people are doing the same activities that you're doing. And how do they do that? Well, they're motivated to do it. And how do they know what to do? Well, you've modeled it. So, so to get to multiply, you've, you've mentored, you've motivated, you, you've modeled the behavior and then people will start to take that information and influence others. I mean, you look at, at John uh, Maxwell's in such a multiplication stage right now. He's influenced so many people. He's had such a positive impact on the world. And essentially what happens is 
is because he's done this and because he's mentored and because he's modeled, his influence is multiplying across the world as we speak. And so we have to remember again that everybody is a leader because everyone influences someone. And so we need to be sure that we're constantly looking and constantly growing. Now, that to me is, is the, the de facto model, right? It, it, it makes sense to me. It's something I follow. But again, I like to do a tremendous amount of research. And I came across um, a, an article that was, was scientifically proven on influence. So obviously, you know, if you model and mentor and multiply, you're going you're gonna to influence. But um, there's some scientific proof um, on how to actually increase influence. And what's interesting is number one in, in that list is, is to connect with people emotionally. And if you, if you start to think about the emotional connection, what happens um, is you have to get people in a scientific way, you have to get their dopamine pumping. And so dopamine stimulates the, the pleasure reward area in the brain that makes people feel, you know, essentially it makes them feel warm and fuzzy, right? And so if you're stimulating that part of the brain, um, it, it's now a scientific opening essentially uh, to, to be able to influence, to be able to, to start to connect with somebody on, on an emotional level. And uh, it's also, you know, in discovering people's passions, when they start to talk about their passion, you, you know, if you guys have listened to me on the show for, for years now, uh, but watch me in a meeting and all of a sudden I'll just get really excited and lean forward. Um, that dopamine area of my brain has just been tapped into it. And like, I'm all into the conversation. I start getting excited and I start speaking faster. And, you know, ideas are just flowing through. Uh, because it's, I've emotionally somewhere connected with the problem or the issue or the topic that we're discussing, and I want to be able to exert influence over the team uh, to be able to do that. So uh, connect with people emotionally is really, really important. But I think just as important is you need to be emotionally curious. So when you're emotionally curious, an easier way, right, if you want to do it easy, um, when you, when you make other people feel important and you're genuine and you're authentic about it, then your influence is going to go a long way. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to be liked, loved, and, and accepted. Uh, but when you fulfill that need for others, then you're perceived as being influential. And so by becoming genuinely interested, and that's what we mean by emotionally curious, but genuinely interested in other people, um, a, a great way to, to do this is to, to ask them open-ended questions. Get people to talk about themselves, but just keep asking open-ended questions and, and it helps you build rapport. But uh, more importantly, you're, they, you're becoming emotionally curious the per, about the person. That's why you're intrigued. That's why you're asking questions. Um, that's why you want to uh, understand more about them. And when they start to offer and disclose information about, uh, himself or herself, then it becomes intrinsically rewarding. It, it, it becomes a way to, to assist in, um, in building that connection of rapport. So we're going to continue uh, this trend here. So we'll, we'll come back and discuss about some of the other scientific methods or, or reasons that influence has been proven. 
and then uh, we'll wrap up the show as well. So stay right here on Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Rick Morris with the Work-Life Balance. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now, back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back to the Work-Life Balance. On this Friday afternoon, we're talking about influence, how to grow your influence. Um, we, we talked about a model from Mark Cole already, and, and now we're talking about uh, scientifically proven steps uh, that grow your influence. And, and we were just talking about the, about being emotionally uh, curious. I, I have some great friends um, that I know that are very dear to me, and I watch them do this. Um, uh, John Watson is, is very good at this. Uh, Chrissy Chromzak's very good at this. Um, they, they, these are people that, and, and we tell them all the time, you know, as friends of theirs, we'll, we'll tell them, look, you know, people just naturally kind of gravitate to you and they go, no way, I, I don't understand or why. Um, but they both ask open-ended questions and are genuinely interested in the answers from the people. Um, and because they're genuinely interested in, in other people, um, then it becomes intrinsically rewarding for that person then to, to, to reveal things about themselves. So it's, it's, um, really, really cool to watch. And, and it's something that I, I think I could do a much better job of. I don't, I don't think I ask as many open-ended questions as I should. Um, so uh, another way that's scientifically proven to help help um, grow your influence is, is to use high-powered body language, right? And so researchers at Harvard Business School conducted a story, uh, a study, not a story, a study exploring if an individual's body language could affect other people's opinions of that person. And it turns out um, that that's exactly what they found out in their research, right? Low-powered body language is normally contracted, uh, the shoulders are rolled, the head is down or bowed. High-powered or confident body language is expansive, right? The head is held high, arms are loose, the shoulders are set back, chest is out. Uh, and when you manifest you know, this, this powerful body language, then, then you're 
immediately seen as more influential. And so not only does confident body language affect the, the way others see you, it, it affects the way you see yourself. And so it's, it's really a big one. Now, as I was reading this study, though, um, th this next one I thought was, was very interesting. Um, and so I'm going to take a sidebar here before I reveal it. Uh, but I have a lot of people that ask me about being a professional speaker. They want to know how to, to become a speaker. They want to know how to do radio shows, all that other stuff. And um, our mentor, uh, Roddy Galbraith, who m mentors us in the speaking lane and John Maxwell team says this. And, and I just got uh, hit up by two other programs of, of people that are, are teaching how to become more influential as a speaker or how to you know, get more stages as a speaker, all this other stuff. In the common theme in, in all of that, all the trainings, what I tell people um, is actually a scientifically proven way to help influence or grow your influence for people, which is to tell a story. And so, so what they say is that the people's brains are almost hardwired for stories. And, and when people hear stories, they can feel as if they're right there with the other person. And it's like the listener's experiencing the story along with who, whomever's telling it. And so um, we suggest as a speaker and we suggest as an executive or whatever is that you kind of create, um, you, you continue to develop and, and continue to grow your personal stories, right? And, and it should consist of uh, thought-provoking stories, and a lot of times when you start to write the story, you don't necessarily have to know the point. The story is important because we can frame the story to get to the point that we're trying to make. And so um, it, it's interesting that it, you essentially can stimulate the other person's brain with a story, which means that in fact, you're getting them to, to come onto your side, to, to, to believe it. And um, so you want to constantly think, and this is where, you know, John Maxwell talks about constantly journaling. Uh, so if you journal, um, then the stories come out. When the stories come out, then you can start to find a theme. And, and from there, you can use those on stage. And that's actually going to help grow your influence. And 99% of the time, the people are going to remember the story more so than the point. Um, and so personal stories is, is a huge aspect. If this is something that you're wanting to do in your career, you want to write a book, you want to, you want to speak from stage, you, you want to grow your influence within your own organizations to have stories and have them at the ready. Um, and and you know, I've been doing this you know, almost 15 years now. And uh, so I've got a plethora of stories. I, you know, I sit down you know, about every six months and go back through all my clients and try to remember stories or remember things that, that happened. Um, and through the development of those stories, I never know when I'm going to grab one or throw one. Uh, but a perfect example is the, the PMO story I, I, I told in, in the first segment uh, when we were talking about if you model the behavior. Now, when I wrote that story and, and, and that story is all true, um, I didn't necessarily connect that with modeling your influence. It was just modeling the behavior. Uh, but because it works and because it's relevant and because um, it's something that, that I've used for years, I can pick that story up and tie in what it is that, that I'm talking about. And I do that all the time. Uh, the key is, is I have a lot of stories to tell. 
and uh, I consistently try to uh, make them tighter and better and, and, um, and uh, you know, get to the point faster in the story. So another scientifically way of, of, of being able to uh, really grow your influence is to be vulnerable. Um, if you're really open uh, about your emotions, it, it increases your, your likability and influence. And, and people will actually, you know, a lot of times people won't tell stories of failure. Um, and again, this is something that we coach people on stage is don't always tell them your successes, tell them your failures. And why that works is people are going to perceive you as being real when you admit to your weaknesses or flaws. Now, now some people become fearful. It's actually something called the spotlight effect. And what they, what it is, is that they think people are actually paying more attention to them than they truly are. I get the spotlight effect all the time when I'm doing the show because you think there's, you know, there's people listening, but they're doing other stuff. They're listening in the background while they're doing all the stuff. So sometimes they're paying, you know, close attention. Sometimes we're just noise in the background um, that that is is sitting there. But what's interesting about the spotlight effect is is that the opposite is true. So people are actually better, uh, or, or you're more relatable to people when you open up and. And even though, you know, you are the most important person in your world, right? You, you are the, the center of your world. Um, you're not necessarily the center of everybody else's, right? So let's just be fair. So if you suggest, if you suggest a weakness or a flaw or you, you share a, a vulnerable story, um, not only are you telling a great story, but you're being vulnerable and that increases your, your influence. Uh, people start to, to to believe in you more because they, they realize uh, you, you all know two friends. One friend takes themselves way too seriously and the other friend doesn't take themselves seriously at all. And it, who would you rather spend time with, right? It's the, it's the, the person that's vulnerable, the one that makes fun of themselves, the one that just kind of sloughs everything off. Um, so uh, to me, that's, that's really important. Um, Another really interesting way to help grow your influence is to, is to ask uh, a person uh, for a favor. So whenever a person asks someone else for a favor, then he or she is, is naturally perceived more positively. And it, it turns out that, that asking for help is one of the best things you can do in, in being an influential person. Um, this, there, there, there's a lady by the name of Van Edwards that talks about uh, the Benjamin Franklin effect, um, which, is, which is interesting to me. But the Benjamin Franklin uh, effect essentially is, you know, when you, when you start to ask others, like Benjamin was known for asking others for help, asking others for assistance, and therefore grew his influence um, through that. So if you freely ask for help in the form of advice um, or other people's guidance, then, then they're going to naturally see you as, as more of an influential person and more uh, influential. But the, the final way, and it's scientific again, is, is, is to really think about your presentation to, to people. Like who's the most charismatic person you know? And, and why did you pick that person? Most likely, it has nothing to do with looks. 
most likely you chose that individual because of the way that person makes you feel. It makes you feel about yourself. According to research that was performed at, at the uh, MIT Media Lab, most people don't remember what an individual looks like or what he or she might have even said, but they will remember how that individual made them feel. And charismatic people just make others feel good, right? And, and, and there's, um, you know, there's, there's ways that, that people will write about, you know, how do you become more charismatic? I don't think any, you know, they'll say things like, you know, uh, tilt your head or point your toes towards the person or all these kind of things. And I'm really not into that because to me, that's not the authentic way. The authentic way comes back to caring about how you make that person feel and making uh, an attempt and valuing that person enough. And if, if you go back to Mark Cole's model and, and you're thinking about, um, how to add value and, and you're looking for opportunities to add value by adding value, you make them feel better about themselves. So I, I'm not into all these little techniques that, that people try to, to put out there about how to increase your charisma. What I am is learn how to become authentically interested in people. And when you're authentically interested, then you're going to think about how you make them feel and you're going to be cognizant of, of how you make them feel. And so how do you then take these tips and, and continue to look at other opportunities to, to grow your influence? Um, one of the ways that to, to do that, and, you know, we, we talked about social media, but one of the ways to continue to grow influence is to build relationships with other existing influencers. Number one, the people that you feel influence you, you need to have a relationship with. Um, and the, the opportunity is then, again, observation, learning, and allowing that influencer to model and multiply and mentor. Um, you then grow the influence and become part of that multiplication process. So building relationships with existing influencers, it's one of the key reasons why I went to the John Maxwell team is is I was fascinated by John. I was fascinated by how he crafted words on stage, but more so I was fascinated by how he moved an audience to feel what they feel. Um, and so what that, that leads to is making sure that you're understanding the value that you're providing to others, right? You want to make sure that you understand your perceived value. And so those people that are trying to speak or trying to get out there and, and, they feel like they don't have something to, to say. What they're lacking is is the perception of their own value. That's when you know self doubt, negative self talk comes in. I'm not good enough. Why should I be this person? I can't do this. I don't know how to do that. And really, it's it's a lack of understanding of their perceived value to the world. Right. It, now, if you if you self-promote your value, hey, this is why I'm awesome, right? Then, then that's going to negatively impact your, your influence. But make sure that you're adding value to others if you want to be influential, and they're the ones then will, that will promote your value. That's when somebody says, hey, I was talking to so-and-so, and, -so and um, they told me what a great person you were, and, and, and you know, I'm reaching out. So it's it's interesting way to help grow your influence. I, I, I think the one of the biggest things, though, uh, out of all of this, and if you want to continue to build influence, 
is you have to use your authentic voice. You can't do what other people are telling. You can't do it like somebody else. And, and this is where I'm starting to have a problem with, with some of these systems and programs that are coming out on the, on the web. And, and again, most people really don't want to think about things, and, and that's fair. But what they're doing is they're buying into somebody else's system, and then the system is giving them a script, and then they're putting the script out. And essentially, they're faking the brand. And you hear the, yeah, fake it till you make it and all that other stuff. Um, but people, are, you're essentially trying to, to fake your authentic voice. I mean, when you're reading what everyone else is doing and, and you try to copy that, that's their brand, not yours. You've got to uncover your brand, which means this is, you know, digging deep. This is why people go to coaches. This is why, you know, clients hire certain consultants. I mean, talk to the people that are close to you. Others can see your unique value better than you can. And so what you have to do is you have to listen to the people that are telling you you're valuable. You got to listen to the people that are, are telling you that you're special and that helps you understand that self-perception of it, but it also helps uncover what your brand can be. And what it does is help you discover your authentic voice. I mean, what is the truest version of the best you and what, what do you offer? And, and when you ask that question, a lot of people are going to go, I don't know. But there's people close to you that know. And there's people close to you that will help you develop that. So I want you to think about that question over the break. And we'll be right back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance. You're listening to Rick Morris. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you getting the most out of your project management software? In many cases, it is not the software that is failing, but the implementation, limitations, or processes surrounding the use of that software. R-Squared can analyze your current use and help improve your return on investment. R-Squared can also suggest the best software for your organization and goals and assist in the selection, implementation, and training. Allow R-Squared to ensure that you are getting the value of your investment. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com today. Are you frustrated with the overall productivity of your project management processes? Do you lack consistency in project delivery? R-Squared Consulting provides end-to-end services to assist companies of all sizes in realizing and improving the value of project management. Whether you want to build a project management office, train project managers, or learn how to bring the oversight and governance to your project processes, R-Squared has tailored best practices to help you in all areas of project management. Visit rsquaredconsulting.com. You are tuned in to the Work-Life Balance. To reach Rick Morris or his guest today, we'd love to have you call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. If you'd rather send an email, Rick can be reached at rmorris at rsquaredconsulting.com. Now back to the Work-Life Balance. And we're back for the final segment of the Work-Life Balance. We've been talking about growth and growing your influence and talked through the model of Mark Cole. We talked about some scientific reasons. And now I'm just recapping some of the others that 
that we talk about. And, and I kind of saved my favorite um, for last. And, uh, you know, I, I consider myself fairly influential, certainly around sales and sales process, working with my clients. And uh, a lot of people ask me, you know, how do I build these relationships? What do I do? And it's interesting, but I promise my my people, my clients, that kind of stuff, I promise them a return on investment for engaging with me. Um, and so, right, my brand represents who I am and how I want, it, how I want to be seen by the world. And, um, but what's critical is that people understand that by investing with me, whether it's time or knowledge or as an organization, that they're going to get a return on investment. And, you know, people ask me, well, what do you mean by that? So, well, either by working with or knowing or interacting with me, essentially, there'll be a return on investment. So, I'll give you an example. Um, you know, I did a, a sales call recently and, you know, they wanted to have several phone calls and do an RFP and all this other stuff. And I said, why, why don't you guys just get to know me, right? Why, why don't you get four or five people on a phone and just have them pepper me with questions and you're going to figure out if I'm your person or not. I mean, the reason why I, I, I went to Knoxville was the same thing. Instead of, you know, going through interviews and proposals and that kind of stuff, I said, well, let, let me just come spend a day with you and your team. And you'll see if I add value. You'll see if, if uh, you know, I'm the right person for you. You'll see if we gel. But worst case scenario, I'll type up my notes. I'll tell you what I heard. I'll give you a roadmap of, of items that I would do. Right? So, so best case scenario, turns out we're, we're the right people for each other. We're going to do great business together. Worst case scenario, you found out really quickly I'm not the person and, you know, I'll leave you some intellectual capital behind to, 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 to help drive the next steps. Um, and so there's, there's the promise that there's a return on investment. So in this case, they didn't invest anything yet and they've already got a return. So now in their mind and what happens is they start to say, well, when I start to invest in in him and money in the relationship, if we got this kind of value before we made the investment, what kind of value do we get once we've invested? And that's been a huge reason um, that that my company has is, is stayed profitable for, for 10 years. It's, um, you know, one of the early things I did uh, early on was invest in the salespeople. So I, I represented a piece of software for years and I could have gone directly to the software and then I could have competed with all the, the in-house salespeople. But what I did is I got to know the in-house salespeople. I got to influence and I got to show them that if they built a relationship with me that I could do a return on investment, which meant more deals for them, higher commissions, uh, happier clients. And through the proof of that return on investment, I built you know this business. And so the, the, if I tie this into, you know, John Maxwell in the, in the first segment as well is, is I'm constantly thinking about how can I return on investment into the relationships and then I'm doing it and, and following through and, and essentially living my brand in everyday life. You know, how I talk to my friends and, and how I treat my friends and how I, how I serve my friends is the same on how I talk to and treat and serve my clients. It's, it's the same way. It's a consistent, um, it's a consistency that I have about me. Um, 
and and I, you know, I, I think I, I have been able to develop that or grow that influence because there was a skill that I didn't have early on in my career. I was not very good at this. And it's something um, I used to get dinged on in my reviews. Um, and it was, I, I really needed to learn how to be, become a great listener. Right. And, and essentially, I mean, if you're talking, then you're not listening. And if you're not listening, then, then you're not learning. And if you're not learning, it's only a matter of time before you say something you're going to regret. And, and I know this because I was the guy that would say the career limiting thing that, you know, would get me in trouble and, and, and inhibit my growth at an organization. And it's because I was, I, I don't know, I, did I want to be the smartest person in the room or did I just know the answer and I want everybody to know it? But even now there'll be times where my body's just screaming the answer out. But instead, I'll ask a question and I'll listen to the response. And what's interesting is as I, as I started to do that, I recognized the answer I was about to give wasn't the right answer to give. But see, the young me would have just done it, would have just thrown it out there. And so I make a conscious effort to just listen. And when there's times where I really want to talk, I fight that. And I go, just go one more segment or just go one more round or just, you know, another minute before you chime in. But if you're talking, you're not listening. If you're not listening, you're not learning. Right. And, and the greatest way to influence and the greatest way to do anything is to learn from your mistakes. And the only way you can learn from your mistakes is to listen to the person that you've wronged. And um, to me, that's, that's been a big piece in, in my, my career. So I hope you enjoyed it. I, I appreciate you guys coming along for the ride for influence. Please provide feedback on Twitter. It's at Rick A. Morris. Rick at rickamorris.com is, is how you can email me or rmorris at rsquareconsulting.com. Find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. Uh, but I'm always listening. I'm listening to you guys and, uh, and uh, pulling content out and, and trying to deliver a show that that is is of service to you, not of service to me. So uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you know somebody that would make a great guest on the show, let me know. And uh, otherwise, we're going to uh, close this show down for this Friday afternoon. We'll be back with you uh, on November 15th. Really excited uh, to always talk to you guys on, on a Friday uh, afternoon. So we thank you so much. We hope you live your own work-life balance. You've been listening to Rick. Thank you for joining us this week. The Work-Life Balance with Rick Morris can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now that the weekend is here, it's time to rethink your priorities and enjoy it. We'll see you on our next show. 